Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Happy Wednesday. Switching it up a little bit today. We have Lucas Kaser on today. We're going to bring in Bobby Lamarco of the Fantasy Football X Factor tomorrow. So Lucas is going to do the later games today. Bobby's going to do the earlier games tomorrow. We're going to flip it up on you. We just had a, a scheduling conflict a little bit with the, the uh, election and Halloween and um, the NFL trade deadline. We had a th- few things coming up that we wanted to make sure we had dialed up for. But we're on pace. We'll get it all in this week. This is episode 297 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. With me today, my good brother, Lucas Kaser. Lucas, how you feeling, my man? I'm doing good. We're finally – it It feels like it went by super fast that we're already in week nine, but then it feels like it's been a super long season at the same time. So we're finally uh, halfway kind of on the home stretch to make the playoffs in all your leagues. Um, so – We'll try to give you the best advice with all these injuries and fifth, sixth string running backs that are playing, all the backup quarterbacks that are playing. Um, but it'll definitely be an interesting week. I totally agree, man. It has been uh, kind of a wild turn. We have the 300th episode coming up, uh, which we're going to do something special on that one next week. So make sure to tune in, of course, then. But we have kind of, um, you know, I've been recapping and looking at preseason rankings just in my own, you know, research, looking at preseason rankings which of course are like, basically we, we take five months to make preseason rankings, all the research, all the, all the uh, uh, predictions, all of the teammate switches, blah, blah, blah. And then those are all thrown out the window by about week three, every single season, but it's always for different reasons. So here we are in week nine and I'm looking back on a lot of those. I made a bunch of notes that we'll share next week, but it has been wild how things have been, flipped upside down in so many different categories. Of course, injuries have been more than I've ever seen in 15 years of fantasy football this year. Also the COVID situations, um, which we didn't see coming in, you know, maybe January, February, when we turned the calendar after the Super Bowl. Uh, but of course that has taken over the summer and the season as well. So it is crazy, man, but we're doing our best to get through it. Let's start with tomorrow night's game. We usually do these later game episodes on Thursdays. So we're usually talking about tonight's game, but again, we had to flip Lucas and Bobby. So tomorrow night's game, Lucas, let's get into it. This one is the the most tricky off the bat on the schedule right away. Um, So Green Bay at San Francisco. Now, if both teams are fully healthy, this is one of the best games on the slate the entire season. Last year, the 49ers beat up on the Packers in the regular season. They beat them up even more so in the, playoffs to go to the Super Bowl Raheem Mostert of course four touchdowns 200 yards absolutely crushed but both of these teams are without a bunch of their stars so for the Green Bay side we have three running backs out Aaron Jones out due to injury still and we have Jamal uh, 
Williams and AJ Dillon out due to the COVID situation. Alan Lazard on IR. I don't believe he is active yet. They did not bring in a wide receiver at the trade deadline, which we expected. Will Fuller was talked about all day. They did not bring him in. They didn't bring in somebody cheaper, like a Golden Tate, even nothing. They're still rolling with basically Devontae Adams out there at wide receiver. So the running backs, then we will get into it just a little bit for the for the Packers, but that's the fourth and Fishery running back, Dexter Williams and Tyler Irvin on the 49ers side. They're also without their top running backs. So they have Jarek McKinnon, who has been basically not used and benched the last two weeks. And they have Jermichael hasty coming in. Raheem Mostert has been out on IR. Jeff Wilson's out on IR and you have um, uh, Tevin Coleman, who was reactivated from IR played a couple of snaps, got re-injured. He's out. Also Jimmy Garoppolo is out uh, pretty much for the season with a high ankle sprain. Nick Mullins will get the start there. And we lose George Kittle, of course, with a fractured bone in his foot as well. Debo Samuel is out in this game too. Lucas, what the hell is going on here, man? This is an insane game with playoff uh, aspirations here. Both of these teams should be making the playoffs if they can hold on. And all of a sudden, one of my you know most exciting games in the entire season is a borderline unwatchable and I'm really worried about the 49ers in this game. Yeah, I mean it it was I was looking forward to there actually being a good Thursday night game for I guess probably the whole year you could say. I'm trying to think if there was any like actual good football games and then last week the whole Niners team decided to get hurt and then Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon decided to get COVID or come in contact or whatever. So this kind of turned into a big cluster to where now you have to figure out is there value in fantasy? And if there is, who the heck is it? Um, so I guess starting off on the Niners side, I mean, I don't know if I'm starting Mullins in anything more than a super flex because you had buys. I just don't, I don't know. Like it's just more of, I think a personal preference. I don't think the Packers defense is anything special, but then again, like you're asking a backup quarterback with a team full of backups to go, are they on the road? I'm not for sure. Uh, no, they're at home, I guess. So uh, that, that's not really an issue. I don't know. I think I'd just stay away unless there is some bye weeks that you'll have to kind of maneuver around the running backs. Um, I mean, McKinnon went up to 50% snap share last week after they said they were resting him like the two weeks prior. So like, I guess it makes sense that they were actually being legit about it. But part of me still is like on the fence where we've seen the I mean, a snap share that I can go from week one, we're 30%, 21%, bumped up to 62. Then 91 was like his, uh, in quotation mark, uh, breakout game. And then it went back down to 25, 31, 18, now to 50. So we can't really expect like these trends to keep going up because they keep going up and then way down from 91 to 18% in a matter of three weeks. So I'd say McKinnon's nothing more than a flex um, if you had to do it. But I think Hasty's the guy that, you'd want to play um, out of uh, there's only two in this backfield, but I think he'd be the one like skill position that I'd want to take a chance on. I think that they're going to have to slow down the game against this Packers team to keep Rogers off the field. And the way to do that is to run the ball. So hasty should be all right for low end RB two high end flex play this week. Uh, the receivers, I don't think anything changes. You stick with Ayuk uh, and Debo. I think Kendrick Bourne was the one who had COVID, if I remember right. So obviously he won't be playing if if the game happens. But I think you just leave it at those two, um, two receivers to play, and then tight end. I 
I ha- I'm, I'm having to play Jordan Reed in some leagues due to uh, misuse of having a backup tight end on my George Kittle teams. Hmm. Um, so I don't really know if it's going to be him or Ross Dwelly kind of taking like the – we'll have to see because there's no way to actually know like who's going to be the, the highest snap share tight end. If Reed's even healthy, if he's fully healthy, will Dwelly still play? So we'll just have to kind of wait. Um, I would say if Reed's cleared to play, you could take a risk on it. Um, but I would say there's definitely – better options if they if you hit the waiver wire um last week or even this week depending on who is available the Packers side I think you I think really what's going to come down to is these running backs that we've never seen I mean one really play together in a featured sort of role or aspect or we've never seen them like actually individually have their own feature role I think Irving um he'll be like the third down pass catcher back just because that's based now that he's catching a lot of passes right now, but he's playing a lot of snaps for the Packers, like even with Aaron Jones, with A.J. Dillon, with Jamal Williams. He's playing like the slot receiver role. So I think we'll see a lot of creative kind of ways to get him screen plays, balls out of the backfield, et cetera. And then Dexter Williams, I guess, is going to be their, their their first and second down back, but I don't really know how valuable that is for a guy that I think he was a six-round pick. or he was getting, I remember like I think it was last year he got a lot of hype, a lot of training camp hype that he was going to be the one to like challenge Jamal Williams for the whole 50, 50 share with Aaron Jones. So I would say I would lean Irving. Um, if you had to pick one, just cause I think you'll get the ball in better situations. And then obviously you're starting Devonte Adams. Um, and I guess, I don't know, Tundin kind of like, I, I, I guess start him, but I feel like it's like such a, it's a very, wide range of outcomes but it's completely relied upon upon touchdowns and like obviously tight ends are but like he doesn't he gets like four targets a game you're just relying on two of those being in the red zone so I think I would he'd be like a bottom end streamer for me as long as Devonte Adams is in there I know that Tunyon can get the work uh, he had a nice long reception last week but as long as Tay Adams is in there I expect him to be you know obviously I mean Rodgers looks at him first and second in the red zone and then goes elsewhere. If they don't run the ball, he had three last week uh, against the Vikings. So I expect that to be a big play. I agree. I'm going to go with Tyler Irvin over Dexter Williams. If I'm starting one of the two, Tyler Irvin, more of the pass catching back. So that's obviously better in PPR. And then on the 49ers side, um, you're kind of, you know, throwing darts. If you have to, I, you know, go for it. Uh, with Hasty over McKinnon, I would say Ayuk is fine. You're right. Kendrick Bourne, who was actually in my waiver wire pickup this week. I was really excited about him, but he got in contact with COVID, so he'll be out as well. This game honestly may not even happen, but it's Wednesday. We don't know yet, so we have to cover the game as if it's going to. There is a chance it'll be canceled or postponed to later in the weekend. But because there's so many injuries, so many COVID situations in this game, if you don't have to play anybody outside of, look, Ayuk is automatic. Um, I would say that Rogers, of course, Devonte Adams are automatic. Anybody else in this game, frankly, if you don't have to play them, I wouldn't because there's just so many question marks here. It is the Thursday night game. It's going to kick off your week, potentially uh, kind of sketch. So if you don't have to, don't. The other issue I want to bring up really quick and we'll move on, Ross Dwelly and Jordan Reed. So traditionally, when George Kittle has missed, before Jordan Reed joined the team this year, when George Kittle had missed the last couple of seasons, it's Ross Dwelly. And Nick Mullins loves throwing to the tight end more than Jimmy Garoppolo does. So I'm not worried about the tight end position. If you're stuck, I think you can play either one of these guys. What I'd mentioned on Monday for the uh, 
waiver wire episode was that if you need a spot start this particular week, for example, if you have somebody on a buy this week, right? Let's say it's Austin Hooper coming back and you know that you're going to have him next week. So you only need a guy for one week. I would roll out Jordan Reed, but the chances of him getting injured again are very, very high. So I would not count on him long-term. So if you need a long-term option, I would pick up Ross Dwelly, who I'm sure is on every waiver wire, and you can roll him out and hope for the best and then keep moving forward. And if Reed goes down as well, Dwelly is guaranteed to be getting, you know, six, seven targets a game, uh, especially in the red zone. So I like that move long-term for Dwelly. But if you got to move one week, I would go with uh, Jordan Reed. Big game here in the NFC. I mean, it's a patchwork team, which the whole season has been, unfortunately, but Niners at home need to get this one. They got embarrassed last week against the Seahawks, a very good Seahawks team, obviously, but they did not play well. They're losing more and more and more weapons. They lost more people on defense. Um, They got, you know, Kawan Alexander was traded away to the Saints, so they lose another piece on defense, and it's been really rough uh, for the 49ers, unfortunately. But they're still at 500, 4-4, unfortunately, in the NFC West. That is last place. If they were in the NFC East, they'd be in first place by two games, which is insane. But four and four for the Niners at home. Packers are at five and two. Big game for both of these squads. Let's move on. All right, let's kick off the Sunday afternoon slate games. Let's start with the Raiders and the Chargers. The Raiders come in at four and three. The Chargers are two and five. But if they could hold a lead, like they're basically the AFC Falcons, if they could hold a lead, this team is should be probably five and two. Justin Herbert is still playing out of his mind. Absolutely fantastic. But Unfortunately, they have lost four consecutive 16-point leads, and they have uh, that is an NFL record, unfortunately, for them, which is horrendous. But this is one of the highest over-unders on the week at 53. The Chargers are a slight favorite by just a point and a half. This is a divisional game. Um, it's basically a home game for, for both of these squads here in, in uh, SoCal. So it'll be interesting. On the Raiders' side, it's been really kind of up and down for uh, Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs. Not really even sure which wide receiver I trust at this point. Darren Waller's an automatic, but again, he's either got 12 targets or three in a game, so very hit or miss there. On the other side, for the Chargers, Herbert is automatic at this point, especially at home. And then trying to figure out what's up with this backfield, we all thought it was going to be Joshua Kelly. It's been Justin Jackson looking pretty good there, so curious about that. Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, I think at this point, also automatic. So how do you feel about the Raiders and the Chargers here? Yeah, I think the Chargers running backs, Tremaine Pope, I think is his name, saw some work last week too. I don't really – I don't know. I, I don't really – I think they're taking the right approach on like a football terms. Like you lose Eckler, then you might as well use three running backs. Like I think that's like the smart approach. But obviously when it comes to fantasy, that that causes some issues because we all thought Josh Kelly was going to be um, – I guess the next Austin Eckler in a way in terms of like how his production would have shot up when Eckler uh, left. Obviously it's not been the case. So I think you just kind of have to um, like a lot of my teams, I guess were zero RB. So I have a lot of Kelly. So like I I'm still playing him because I think he's still seeing enough work to like keep the philosophy that you only need like six to seven points ish from your running back two and a zero RB team. Um, That being said, Pope should probably be a waiver target or just queue him up just in case he sees more work this week. But I don't really know the reasoning for that. Um, could have been there just up by so much on the Broncos trying to run the ball or something like that. Jackson, I think, is in the same boat as Kelly. You just kind of slide him in there. 
get your seven to eight points with the chance of a touchdown. And yeah, I think both receivers now are finally like we're finally seeing the reasoning for having Keenan Allen in the slot and Mike Williams outside. Like we're finally seeing them using both these guys to their full advantage when and clearly it's very effective. So you still start them um, every week until we see anything different. And then Hunter Henry's kind of just been like, I don't even, he's been like a tight end one without touchdowns, you could say, or without like knowing he's a tight end one. I'm not for sure exactly what he is in the season, but he gets like the six to eight points and just kind of does his own thing, maybe catch a touchdown here and there. So if you have him, you probably have to play him unless I don't even know, like maybe, I, I, I don't even know who else, I guess else you would play or have on your team. Obviously if you have someone better, you're not going to play him, but like maybe Ebron is like a waiver guy that you can maybe, uh, crisscross or like flip them in and out like they're, they're pretty even right now in value so I think you could look that way um, and then yeah you play Herbert um, he'll learn how to close out these games eventually and the Broncos are gonna have to go against Herbert and Mahomes for the next like 15 years so we'll see how that goes uh, for them and then on the other side I don't know this Raiders team confuses me because then they come out here obviously that the weather um, we probably could have talked about that more last week was was super bad for a lot of these teams so you can't really take last week's game for the Raiders or the Browns with anything because it was like they were like punting the ball on like the 35-yard line instead of kicking field goals. That's how bad the weather was. So um, you play card just due to the, the high total, especially um, if you have to stream this week. Jacobs, you still roll him in. And then I don't know because like it's hard for me to evaluate this game last week because before that like Algalore is basically the, the the alpha receiver on this team because Edwards I don't know if it's because Edwards was out but it definitely um, enhanced it that Edwards was out so I don't really know kind of that role designation if Edwards plays this week which I don't know if he'll play more or if he um, actually, I think he was out last week if I remember right but then Waller, I guess, play him. I, I really, I think it's just like there's nothing really to mess with here. I just think you kind of have to not hold a really high expectations outside of like Keenan Allen because we've clearly seen both ends for these players um, throughout the season. Let's talk about Josh Jacobs a little bit more for a second. 31 carries, 128 yards, absolutely phenomenal game, doesn't score, but zero receptions. So nothing in the passing game. He got his 31 target or 31 carries, 128 yards. So fabulous workload on the ground specifically. Is that strictly due to the weather, as you mentioned, which was brutal last week? Or is that something maybe to look at moving forward? And frankly, like Josh Jacobs has not been he's not been putting up heavy workloads in general this season. 25 carries, 27 carries in the first two weeks. But after that, 16, 15, 23, and 10. And his targets on uh, the whole season have been low as well. Um, four, three, 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 two, three, and zero receptions uh, throughout the season here. So no more than four receptions, no more than 46 yards receiving, no receiving touchdowns, only two um, rushing touchdowns since that week one blow up with those three touchdowns. So, He's still starting running back. He's still getting all the workload. You have to start him, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm not feeling good about Josh Jacobs uh, in general and does have a, a tough couple of matchups here with the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Chiefs three in a row here in the division. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, we're really seeing, like, the 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 math behind like why everyone said that rugs can be good while there's a top three tight end and why Jacobs is going to catch more passes 
Like it, it's it's physically not possible, especially due to the fact that they're they're working in Richard Booker, like all these other guys too that are getting touches. Like you're just seeing the variance, and I think the 31 was strictly weather. Like I, I bet you in a game where I I don't know they were up by like a one score game most of the game. You could say I think they won by 10 total, but like it was like in reaching distance for the Browns the whole time. Or vice versa too. Like there, it wasn't like they were blowing them out. It's where they just like, here you go, Josh Jacobs. Like keep running the ball. Like they they still had to go try and score. I think the weather was just that bad to where they they just had like the running the ball was the the best possible move in the situation. So we'll see. I guess. I mean, it it's nothing has shown that he's a workhorse, and in the sense of like he's upgrading from Nick Chubb to Dalvin Cook fantasy level, and like I think that was the expectation this year for a lot of people and like it's just not going to happen unless they fully commit to it which no part of the offseason and no part of this season has showed they're committing to it and then you got to factor in that they're going to get Edwards back Ruggs is still in year one like it so I, I just think he's just back end RB1 like there's just unless we see physically see that upgrade happen like it's not going to happen yeah I agree all right, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals coming off of a bye. The Dolphins get their first week out of Tua last week. Just 12 completions last week, but you kind of expect that in his first start overall. They didn't want to, uh, you know, throw him in the dungeon. They get a huge win over the Rams, which is what matters. Um, but they lose Miles Gaskin, who's on the IR there. Should we see Jordan Reed, uh, Jordan Reed, excuse me, Jordan Howard back in the in the mix here? Um, the touchdown did go to Devontae Parker, but, you know, limited targets around again. Preston Williams has been really hit or miss. I'm still waiting for him to kind of take that stride coming back healthy off that knee injury. And then Mike Kosicki has basically disappeared. On the other side for the Cardinals, I mean, you start your studs, right? Um, Kyler Murray automatic, New Hopkins automatic, Christian Kirk, I think even automatic, although this secondary uh, is, is quite impressive. Um, and beat up on the Rams, but Cooper Cup had 21 targets. Robert Woods had two touchdowns, a rushing score and a receiving score last week versus secondary. Um, they don't really have a tight end to write home about. Chase Edmonds, we've all been kind of waiting for this heavy workload while Kenyon Drake's out. But starting to hear that Kenyon Drake may not be out as long as expected, so not this week, um, but it should be all Chase Edmonds. But Kenyon Drake potentially returning uh, before expected. So, A, do you trust Tua? Um, in super flex leagues, I mean, super flex, you kind of have to, if you have them on your team, but I guess in single quarterback leagues, do you trust Tua against Arizona? And on the other side, um, how much work do you think Chase Edmonds is actually going to get here against the dolphins? And, uh, are you, you know, confident to, to fire him up in all formats? Yeah. I mean, I think the Cardinals side, the only question is, is the Chase Edmonds question of, I guess, really, is it like do they work in Eno Benjamin? I think that's more the question because I think Edmonds is seeing work like as it is clearly like to where we have big expectations for him this week. So I think I would say like he's going to see an upgrade in in production or like in the snaps. But like I think Eno Benjamin will get pretty, um, I don't know, like RB3 sort of like fantasy production, you could say. But like that could clearly lead to more. I, I think Eno Benjamin is a pretty good running back in college. So we'll just kind of see. I mean, obviously you're not starting Benjamin. Like you're starting Edmonds if you have him. He should be an RB2 this week. But I would say like let's wait and see kind of how this sort of split works because I can see both sides of them just giving Edmonds everything or just keeping the split they have been and just replacing 
replacing Drake with Edmonds and Edmonds with Eno Benjamin um, this upcoming week. On the Dolphins side, yeah, I think I, I don't. I would say in a single quarterback league, like you could start Tua if you want. I there's last week was a weird game. They had like a hundred some offensive yards and they won by like thirty points against the Rams. Like so, I just think it's like if you want to start Tua, go for it because I don't even like have any. There's no game tape to watch. There's no stats to look at. There's not really like anything to gauge off it. Um, Devontae Parker just had a tough matchup with Ramsey last week. Um, and he's kind of always struggled with Ramsey too. So I think it's this kind of a thing where you just kind of throw it away and move on to this week, which he should have a good week. Uh, Williams has been seeing the targets, but something's just like not clicking there. That could be obviously like last week it was to his first week, weird game script or still kind of figuring things out, but who knows? Like he could be like Mike Williams resurgence with Justin Herbert could be Williams kind of connecting with Tua as well. Um, and then the running backs, I think Breed is the guy you, you start this week just due to the big playability, but I wouldn't say – I think that we're going to have to see because I think Patrick Laird, if we remember him from last year, might get some more work. Um, he was pretty – not efficient last year, but he was pretty good for fantasy lineups, getting the 10 points a week kind of in the – I think it was on the later stretch before playoffs last year. But then I think Howard could easily make his bounce back. Um, and then DeAndre Washington, they did get two. That could easily be another fill-in guy there. So I would say Brita is the guy that you'd want to play this week. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone, one of the four is the starting running back next week. Yeah. And Jordan Howard's always good for, you know, three carries for, uh, you know, negative four yards total, but two touchdowns. Yeah. So you could, you could absolutely, absolutely get that in. Uh, Patrick Laird, absolutely nice uh, throwback name there. Good in PPR as well. He was certainly catching some passes. So viable option. But again, man, kind of a messy game. And, it's hard to say, especially at running back position, to just like, eh, you don't want to start that guy. You don't want to start that guy. You kind of have to. Um, so we're trying to, like, dive a little bit deeper because, obviously, you know your studs. You know the guys you have to play in your rosters. But we're trying to mention some some deeper names there. So keep an eye on that. All right, Dolphins, 4-3, and three, Cardinals, 5-2. and two. Great game here. Should be a nice NFL game as well. Both these teams pretty solid. And that Dolphins defense is legit. So if Tua can keep up with, uh, with the Cardinals offense – it could be could be an interesting game there. All right, let's move on to probably the uh, drubbing of the week. Last week it was the Chiefs over the Jets. Mahomes just kind of threw five touchdowns in his sleep. This week Big Ben could potentially do the same thing. Steelers seven and zero for the first time since the seventies. The franchise has never been eight and zero. They're going for that this week against the Cowboys. Shouldn't really be an issue, of course. In football history, this is one of the most storied rivalries ever. Um, these teams have played in the Super Bowl multiple times back through the 70s and the 80s, uh, even, even in the 90s, uh, 1994 uh, or 93 or 95, excuse me. Um, but the uh, Cowboys have really been struggling. I just came across a nugget that I wanted to read here because I found it um, uh, pretty incredible that the Cowboys – are the first team to have three different starting quarterbacks and allow the most points in the NFL through week eight since 2005, which was the 49ers, of course. Mike Nolan, who is the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys now, was the uh, head coach of the 49ers then. Mike McCarthy, who's the head coach now, was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers then. And the three quarterbacks, Niners fans will remember, unfortunately, Alex Smith, Tembrete, and Ken Dorsey. So unfortunately, Mike Nolan and Mike McCarthy have been through this before. So seven zero for the Steelers, two and six 
for the Cowboys. We know they've been struggling. They thought even thought about bringing in Cooper Rush and benching Ben DiNucci, which could be the fourth quarterback this season. The Steelers are, are easy. You start your studs, Big Ben. Juju's been resurging a little bit. Connor, of course, as long as he's healthy, you got to fire him up and, and be confident about it. Deontay Johnson, if he starts the game, you play him, but just know that he may be hurt in the first snap. Getting kind of frustrated with his whole situation. Chase Claypool in this game has got to be a surefire start. And if you're stuck, uh, Eric Ebron as well at tight end. On the Cowboys side, though, Lucas, against this defense, which just shut down the Ravens, basically, um, I'm serious. Are you confident? Like you start Zeke because you have to, you start some of these wide receivers because you may not have better options per se, but quite literally, are you confident starting any offensive player? And I can't believe I'm saying this. Are you confident starting any offensive player for the Cowboys? That includes Zeke, Amari Cooper, uh, CD lamb, Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz against this uh, Steelers defense here. I mean, like, the only one that I would be, like, um, a little confident would be, like, it would be CeeDee Lamb, I think. And it's on the basis of, like, when we drafted CeeDee Lamb, no one expected him to be a wide receiver one, right? Like, everyone expected him to be right where they drafted him a flex piece. And I think, like, last week we saw, like, a true flex piece value. Like, I think he had, like, four or five catches for, like, 50 yards. Like, you're not expecting huge games from him. Like, you shouldn't have been, I guess, going into, like, your draft. Like, you shouldn't have been drafting him in, like, the 150, I don't know, it was 150 range or, like, round nine being, like, oh, yeah, he's a wide receiver one or else everyone would have drafted him in round two or three, like, right? So, I think he'd be the only one just due to the, the general concept of the quarterback plays so bad, they're going to look to the easiest route, which is the slot, which is the check down route in a sense. So, he'd be the only one, I guess, just to take the points. But, yeah, I don't even – I didn't even watch the game last Sunday, so I don't even know how bad the game was. Like, I don't know how bad this team looked. Apparently, we're trying to run a bunch of, like, reverses and stuff. And, like, I don't know. They're they're exactly, like, what everyone thought they were. Like, terrible coaching, bad defense. They just lost their quarterback, which your quarterback shouldn't go from 400 yards a game to 150 yards a game. That just shows that your team wasn't good to start with. So, they're just not good. They're going to have, like, a top three pick. So, I feel like we'll be having the conversation of, like, who, who they're paying, who their quarterback is, and all this stuff like next year. Do you think they would make a move on like a Justin Fields or something? I mean, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence uh, because the Jets are just too bad not to do that. Um, but do you think they would actually draft a or, – or maybe you have somebody else in mind, but do you, do you think they would actually look at a quarterback position or because there's no guarantee that Dak even comes back fully healthy next year. His fracture – is like as close to Alex Smith as you can get without the bone popping through the skin, basically. I mean, it was yeah. brutal, dude. His, his fucking ankle like or his foot like fell off of the bone. Um, there's no – and even if he comes back, what has made Dak Dak is that he's a great rushing quarterback, but he's also extremely mobile within the pocket, makes plays happen, can run for a first down, kind of a Russell Wilson, Josh Allen type, right? He's not quite – uh, Lamar Jackson or anything, but he can make plays happen, obviously extend drives, yada, yada. If he's not mobile, um, I think that would really tarnish his ability uh, in general. He's still a great quarterback. He has the weapons, yada, yada. But even if he comes back, I don't think he'd be the same. Do you think the Cowboys, if they were actually in a top three situation, do you think they would trade out or do you think they would actually look at a quarterback? I mean, like, 
I guess I had a different view on this whole Dak thing because like, well, I guess I don't want to say I took a realistic view, but they didn't pay him at 35. So why were they, or they didn't, they wouldn't pay him at 40. So they chose to pay him at 30. So why would they pay him at 35? Everyone like disagreed with me. It was like, that's outrageous. They're going to pay him. Clearly they didn't. And now they're faced with the fact of, okay, Dak's not going to ask for less money. Like he would have last year if he really cared about the money versus success, right? Like he, he would have yeah, taken $5 million. He did, the, he, did the, he did the Tom Brady move last year. He's not going to do yes. it again. I agree. So then it comes to the point where he's going to ask for $35 million. Some team will pay him that, and it's not going to be the Cowboys, especially now because they're even in a worse cap space spot next year. <laughs> coaches stuff is on the line like there's gonna be jobs out on the line they need they need to focus way more on defense than the quarterback play so they're gonna have a high pick I mean I think the 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 right idea would be either you pay Dak and draft defense or you draft a quarterback use that money on defense so like I don't I don't want to say that because they could just franchise tag him again and we could be in this whole situation again but like they're they didn't pay him at 35 so who's to say they're gonna pay him at 35 coming off in surgery when America's team needs to win games and not be a top five pick. So I think it's just kind of like a big, um, just a big, like, there's not really a good side to it. So like, we can't really project that there's going to be. So I think, I mean, I don't know if they're going to have a new quarterback next year, but like they're going to be in, they're not going to be in a better spot next year, I think is the way to put it. I agree. And frankly, I mean, you know, Andy Dalton's not amazing, obviously, but he came in on a rough week one, with limited work, got his ass kicked. Then he got injured. Then he's been out. He hasn't really had a chance. I'm not saying that Andy Dalton is going to save the Cowboys, be the future, or is close to Dak Prescott. However, if Andy Dalton was healthy and could get three, four, five, six weeks under his belt to finish the season, I think they could at least consider you know, having an option. They might win a couple of games. like They might start to turn around. The issue is not on offense, obviously. The issue is on defense. Their defense is horrendous. Their two best players, in my opinion – are their middle linebackers, and those guys cannot stay healthy at all. Leighton Van Der Esch and, and uh, Sean Lee. Those guys can't stay healthy, so then they kind of employed. They don't have an, a defensive line. Alden Smith I'm rooting for because he's an OG Niner, and he's got some demons, so I'm pulling for the guy personally, but, like, not Javon Curse anymore. Their secondary is horrendous. So I think their best player right now is straight up, you know, Greg Zerline probably. Um, so they do need a lot of work. And I agree if they do get one of those top five, six picks, they're probably best to either, you know, get out of it and get a couple second, third rounders just to get some depth pieces on defense or whatever and try to figure things out. But yeah, the Cowboys are, uh, are in trouble. Um, anything, I mean, we Cowboy or the, the Steelers side's pretty easy. Are there any particular points you'd like to make for Pittsburgh? No, I mean, I think you just, play who you have I guess because the whole wide receiver like it's just it just kind of rotates it's kind of one of those things where you can't we can't say who's the best because it doesn't really matter who's the best um Ebron I think is one where I think now he's actually playable because I think he's, he's kind of solidified like his role that he should have on the Steelers um getting a lot of red zone targets the last couple of weeks I think he's one guy that I think um you can now pretty feel pretty comfortable especially this week of putting into your lineup all right Second lowest over under on the week at 42 points. Yikes. Pittsburgh, a road favorite by two touchdowns. Uh, I'll take the over on that. All right, let's move on to Sunday night football. Man, this is a big one. Uh, This is, I highly encourage people. I know it's, we're wrapped up into fantasy. We're wrapped up into the general like life right now. This is one of those games where 
the first time these two teams played, it was, you know, Tom wasn't ready. This offense wasn't ready and yada, yada. If one of these guys retires moving forward or whatever, this may be the last time we see them, Tom Brady and, and Drew Brees play each other. And these guys have been two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, pretty much your entire life, <laughs> certainly yeah. the entire time I've been watching football. I mean, for 20 years, these guys have been cream of the crop and look, at 40 years old, they're both still very good NFL quarterbacks. They're not lighting up the scoreboards, but I would take either one of these guys over, you know, pretty much most of the other guys in the league if I needed to uh, have one drive. So just enjoy this game for what it is. It's a pretty historical move. Both these guys going to the Hall of Fame as soon as they are eligible. So enjoy this one. Should be a great NFL game as well. Of course, the Saints coming in at five and two, they've really turned it around from kind of slugging. They don't even have Michael Thomas yet, which is impressive. They've been five and two without him. On the other side, the Bucks, man, started slow as well, but everyone, especially the commish boys, I got to give them credit. They were kind of like, look, man, pump the brakes. Even in New England, when he's winning all these Super Bowls, Tom Brady starts slow. It kind of just is what happens and he'll pick it up. They'll start to mold. Look, the Bucks have rolled off you know, six wins already. They're six and two saints are five and two. Now they get Antonio Brown. So both these teams are getting two prolific receivers back. They've already been very good. Their defenses are very good. I think both underrated defenses, very, very interesting game here for the saints. Of course, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray is a question mark. I think with a bunch of bye weeks and then are you, if Michael Thomas actually plays, are you firing him up? the first uh the first week here or do you have the stones i should say to bench him if you don't think he's ready yet and then are you still okay with uh traquan smith maybe and then jared cook on the other side tom brady mike evans and then chris godwin you know probably still out here with that finger fracture but if antonio brown plays are you comfortable playing him in his first game since last year and then are you okay with rojo who Fumbled right away, got benched, came back for a couple snaps. It was basically Leonard Fournette after that. Scotty Miller, these other guys, are you comfortable? And, I mean, you have to admit at this point, bro, your boy Gronkowski's got to be a top five weekly tight end. Yeah, I the Saints side, I mean, if Thomas plays, you just got to resort back to, like, the big four that I, I think we've talked about before with uh, Breeze, Kamara, Cook, Thomas. I Even, like, if Sanders, I don't think he's playing this game. But even if he played, I don't think there's – um, like, I think the part that's getting like, I don't want to say like overshadowed is like, like Kamara's workload, like is going to decrease. Like he's getting all these catches, like not out of the back, like out of the backfield, but like he's running like wide receiver routes because they don't have Thomas. Like we can clearly see that on their offense. Like, trust me, they're a lot better than overtime against the bears. They just need Michael Thomas back. So like if Thomas back yet, yeah, you have to play him. Like it's even if he has a bad game, what's a bad game for him? Like six catches for 80 yards, like perfect. It's exactly like kind of what you drafted him for. Um, so I wouldn't mess with Smith or I don't think Sanders is playing. And if, if Thomas is out, then you can probably mess around with uh, Smith. If Sanders plays him, I think Callaway, I wouldn't play him, but keep an eye out on him in deeper leagues. Um, and then on the flip side, the running backs, like, I don't know. I mean, I think you just kind of have to play both, I think, is the answer. Because I don't want to say sit one, but I don't really want to say start one. It's kind of like that scenario. It's kind of like the Chargers running backs where, like, usually they kind of end up evening themselves out. And they're both good enough to get you some points, right? Um, the receivers, you have to play all three. Like, I, 
personally for me, I think this is a situation where AB plays a game or two and then he just kind of falls back on his face. I don't want to say it's like Josh Gordon, but like that we, we haven't seen these bounce backs, like frankly ever work in a sense, like they don't usually ever work. So we'll see. I could be wrong, but you play AB play. I think Godwin practiced full today. So you play him, you play Evans. Um, and yeah, Gronk's, I mean, frankly, I guess it was more so like, I didn't think they were actually going to use them in the way they're using them, which is like a real tight end. Like, right. Like, cause the first three weeks they just used them as like a blocker. And then like, well, they had OJ Howard. Now they no longer have OJ Howard and Cameron yeah. Braid's kind of just a spot guy. So they're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been like, playing well though. Yeah. Like clearly it's working. I, I guess I was just against like, they're actually going to use them the right way because like, Howard can't block bright, like kind of has his role, but obviously like clearly like, like good for them for realizing that like break can see less snaps and they're going to be okay. Like, I just didn't know if that was the case. Um, So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's definitely, well, yeah, with Kittle out. Yeah. He's definitely top five. I was trying to think of like five, even I think with Kittle, because you have Kelsey Andrews Kittle. Yeah. Him, I guess. And then like maybe, Johnny Smith, I guess, but he's pretty touchdown dependent too. Yeah, I think he's definitely top five uh, going forward for the rest of the year. Yeah, he's and you know, kind of my narrative coming into the season. You and I disagreed big time on on Gronk, and my whole thing was like, I don't expect a ton of catches or a ton of yards, but I did expect when they're in the red zone, Brady's going to look at Gronk first, and then he's going to look at Evans, and we've seen that. I mean, the the touchdowns have gone to either Gronkowski or Evans. Period. Uh, this season and um, again as a tight end in fantasy he only needs three catches for 30 yards and a touchdown so uh, Gronk and he he looks good I think that's the difference he came back after a year off yada yada lost a bunch of weight blah 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 he was just kind of like getting in the flow he was kind of just that secondary guy just a blocker he was cool with that role and then he's come out the last couple weeks and basically said like man it it took there's no preseason right like there hasn't been the warm-up four games that people are used to so that was the beginning of the season. Now he's really getting into the flow. He's getting into the, the, the system. Uh, obviously Howard went down, Godwin went down, opening up more targets and he and Brady have that mind meld. So uh, look, as long as he's healthy, Gronkowski is a weekly starter. Absolutely. at tight end um, because he's, he's just got the consistent looks and certainly the uh, touchdown upside. Okay, man, let's end it up here with a uh, absolutely stinker of a Monday night football game. Unfortunately, the New England Patriots, <clears throat> who annually should beat the Jets by at least three touchdowns, might lose this game. Uh, the Patriots come in at two and five. If Cam Newton wasn't legit Cam Newton for the first two weeks on like hype alone, they might be 0 7 at this point. The Jets are 0 8. And I mean, no one gave them a chance against the Chiefs, but just got beat. You know, 35 points, no big deal. And if the Chiefs wanted to, they could have put up 80. Um, the Patriots are road favorites by a touchdown. I'm I'm definitely taking taking the Jets on that one. Uh, I don't know, man. If Stephon Gilmore continues to sit out, he didn't get traded, which I thought was surprising. But if he's out this week, which it sounds like he will be, um, I'm really concerned overall about the Patriots. Cam Newton has been horrendous the last couple of weeks. Um, they don't really have a receiving option. Your boy Edelman, unfortunately, is toast. Nikhil Harry hasn't come through. Demir Bird is his favorite target, but he's Demir Bird. They don't have a tight end. 
their running backs are okay. Damian Harris has been fun. James White's been all right. Rex Burkhead arguably has been the best option, but nobody plays Rex Burkhead. So I don't know what to do there. And then on the Jet side, I'm not playing anybody. If Crowder ends up suiting up, I might play him because I have to, but I'm not playing anybody else on the Jets. Do you have any fantasy options here outside of maybe being stuck having to play Cam Newton in super flex leagues? I think I think Harris is the one where I think this will we'll see like this will be like uh, you could say the Harris game where I think he's been kind of like obviously he's been getting the most carries like on the final stat sheet right but like I think if you're like actually like following it like he's just like last week he broke off a long run and then got the rest of the carries so like I guess what I'm saying is like I think they're gonna build off that momentum and finally like go back to how they used to be with having Sony now Harris be like the main guy. And then the other guys have their roles, whereas they were kind of figuring it out this whole year. Um, so I think he's good. Yeah. I think Cam just against the super flex um, should be good there. If Gilmore is out, I would entertain the option of Denzel Mims. He like actually looks good. Like, like fantasy wise, obviously like the, the production hasn't been there, but like he like actually played a good receiver in a game where they're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, maybe like if you absolutely need a flex player, wide receiver three player or something. But no, I think it's Harris is kind of like the only guy I actually want to play. Maybe James White, but even then it's kind of gross, I guess. And apparently, apparently the Patriots depth reasoning um, is because of the salary cap. Because um, apparently if you give everyone the same salary cap, like there's some way you can be at a disadvantage. I guess I'm still kind of like trying to process all that. Um Bill Belichick's all mad because they sold out for some rings. Finally glad he admitted <laughs> it, though. Like, I, I'm glad that he actually admitted it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't – this could be another team where they could have a top five pick. There, there, was, there was some rumors that – or theories that the, the Patriots would purposely lose these two games against the Jets just so they can have a higher pick in the draft. This ruined the Jets' tank. Um to be quite hilarious if it actually happened. Um, but if we remember last time that they played on a prime time against the Jets, um, Sam Darnold saw ghosts. So, Jesus, yeah, can you? Can, the, can, this is so like this game. The over under is like forty two and a half. I bet the under the first thing I saw because I don't even think these two teams, I don't even think these two offenses can score more than twenty points on their own respective sides. So like it's gonna be a disaster. What would happen if both teams actually tried to tank the game? Well, like, like, like you have to, you have to move the ball. Like you, you can't just punt on fucking first downs the whole time. Like if both teams try to lose the game, the Patriots are going to have to work a lot harder because the Jets could make it look a lot more realistic. Like the Jets could just play the game and lose the Patriots like should win this game if they give a shit, but uh, (laughs) that's a really interesting theory. Good Lord. I can't believe we're talking about the Patriots and the, and the Cowboys. Right. I mean, because like I mean, like frankly, if you get the Patriots a top pick, like I know they wouldn't take a quarterback. Like they would trade that pick, get a bunch of depth, and then they'd refix this issue and be right back to where they were. Yeah. Like, like so. I mean, how how they would tank? They just wouldn't score. Like the Jets, we clearly saw last week, like can move the ball and get field goals on the Chiefs defense. I'd say Patriots and Chiefs defense this year are pretty similar in the way they run, um, or the, the way they the the strength of their defense. I'd like, say the Chiefs are even better. Yeah, like, I think, like, especially if Gilmore's out, like, the Patriots could go up there and line up for field goals and just, like, accidentally miss a couple, you know? Like, like they could – I don't know. Like, they have this veteran kicker where they're going to bring in their rookie next year. Like, it kind of it kind of adds up. 
and it'd be quite comical if like that actually if if they ruined the Jets tank. Like it's hard to ruin a tank and like if the Patriots did it just to tank themselves would be quite funny. Wow. Unbelievable that we're talking about the giant or the exactly. uh cow- the Cowboys and the Patriots trying to avoid or legitimately go for a top three to five pick. Absolutely phenomenal season this year. All right, man, that wraps up the recap or the, the previews, I should say, of the week nine games. Again, tomorrow night's game, Packers, Niners, and then the Sunday slot in the afternoon, Raiders, Chargers, Dolphins, Cardinals, Steelers, Dallas, Cowboys. That's going to be an ugly one. The Saints and the Buccaneers on Sunday night football, and then the Patriots and Jets on Monday night football. Before we get the pickums in real quick, Lucas, a reminder that the teams on by this week, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, Los Angeles Rams, and Philadelphia Eagles. Make sure to get all of those players out of your starting rosters. Keep them on your bench. Also, I say this every single week, waiver wires have already gone through, right? You woke up this morning, you got your waivers, but if somehow you have waivers that process on Thursdays, Lucas and I are in a dynasty league where waivers actually go through on Thursdays. So we make waiver claims tonight, which is Wednesday, as opposed to last night, Tuesday, per most leagues. If you're in a league like that, always make sure to check the waiver wire when it processes for guys that got dropped that shouldn't. So some names that may get dropped to open up room for the Bengals, the Browns, the Rams, and the Eagles. I could imagine maybe A.J. Green gets dropped. Gio Bernard could get dropped. Okay, we're not even sure about Joe Mixon yet, but Gio Bernard could get dropped. Uh, On the other side, Harrison Bryant, uh, Rashard Higgins, those kind of guys could get dropped potentially, maybe free pieces to pick up for the long run. On the Rams, you could be looking at like Josh Reynolds, maybe even Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown. Some of these guys, look, not sexy picks, but if you need depth, might be a piece there. And on the Eagles as well, some of these receiving options, maybe even Boston Scott, um, Dallas Goddard, uh, Zach Ertz, I saw got dropped in one league, Um, still on the IR. But like, if you're playing in leagues like this, pick up the scraps. I know it's not sexy. It may not work out. You may drop them in a week or two anyway, but if you're getting free pieces like that, make sure to pay attention and pick up those guys off of the waiver wire. All right, Lucas, let's jump into the pickums here. You are still in the lead, been kind of pacing the group throughout the season here, but last week, man, Bobby had the best uh, record nine and five on the week. You and Dweez at eight and six. I was at 507 and seven. Of course, I picked the 49ers over the Seahawks and got beat. The rest of you is picked Seattle, so that was kind of the deciding factor on the week. Let's go through our uh, evening and afternoon picks here. This week, though, we'll start with tomorrow night's game. Lucas, a big one in San Francisco with scrap metal pieces. Who you got? Green Bay at San Francisco tomorrow night, Thursday night football. I got Green Bay, but I think – they're for for the betting side i think i'm gonna wait till like green bay just gets all the juice at the end and probably hit the niners i think they're at like five and a half or six right now because i i still think that like this is why i like the niners like just in general like the way they run their offense like is super independent of who the quarterback is so i think they could still kind of hang in considering green bay's defense is nothing special now we saw the niners beat up on them i mentioned this twice earlier do you think that the green bay defense and especially that defensive line front seven is good enough to beat the fourth and fifth string running backs because last year they got absolutely destroyed twice on the run. And we know that that's what the Niners want to do, especially without Jimmy G and Kittle. I mean, I think like, like, yes, like, I think they're just going to put seven to eight guys in the box the whole time. Like they kind of already do that. Like anyways, like they're a very, like, 
front, I don't even want to say front seven, just but like front loaded defense because they have Jair Alexander. And like, clearly this is why I was on the Niners against the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. Like it doesn't matter if you have Jair Alexander when you're going against two running backs playing receiver, right? Like it, it, so like saying that means like, I think they're going to load the box, but I still think Mullins is good enough to, to run the offense Shanahan once. And I think Shanahan's a much better coach than LaFleur on the offensive side. So I, I, yeah, I think the Packers win, but I think it's a lot closer of a game. I don't think people are expecting a blowout, but I think like this is still going to be like a pretty upbeat game, even with all the injuries. I'm going to try and reverse psychology, a win here for the 49ers just out of spite. And you do this with Denver Broncos, you're a Broncos fan. So you generally pick the Broncos, no matter who they're playing, except for the chiefs. And that's just, that's just what you do. Um, I picked the Niners pretty much every single week. I, I had a feeling they were going to lose last week. I picked them anyway, blah, blah, blah. Now for the pick'em's sake, I'm going to go with Green Bay because I think they ultimately win the game because, frankly, Aaron Rodgers is healthy and the 49ers are not. And I think that Aaron Rodgers plus Devontae Adams versus a scrap offense is, is Green Bay ultimately. However, I agree with everything you just said, and I could see the Niners squeaking this one out if they can shut down Aaron Rodgers and Tay somehow because I don't think the running game is going to be there. Um, and I do think they run their offense, but I think ultimately the Green Bay will get the win. So I'm also going to go with the Packers. Although I hope I'm wrong on this and in real life, <laughs> I hope the Niners can, uh, can pull one out and make up some ground on the Rams. All right, let's move down the list here. The afternoon game is a little bit quicker here. Las Vegas Raiders, LA Chargers, first game of the Sunday slot. Who you got? I'm going to go the Raiders, but like, frankly, I have no clue who's going to win this game. I'm going to go Chargers. I think Herbert is just uh, too dominant. I don't think their defense can stop them. I think enough of the running backs will be okay. I think that they'll shut down Josh Jacobs. And uh, this game is in LA. Again, a home game pretty much for Vegas as well. But I think uh, the Chargers do well. Um, again, they've lost huge leads. I think they're going to be better against the Raiders. And uh, I will give them this one in the division. I'll go with the Chargers. Miami Dolphins, Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I This one's tough because I feel like people think this is going to be a lot closer than it is. But I think we're still going to see some growing pains with Tua, but I think the Cardinals win this game. I agree. I'm going to go with Arizona as well. I think the offense is going to be too much for the defense for the uh, Dolphins, and we'll see what Tua can do. The, the, the Arizona defense isn't amazing, but I'm not sure Tua can make it happen. And Patrick Peterson isn't what he used to be, but still very good, and we know what Buda Baker's good. He's not very fast, but he's a great safety, so we'll see what happens there. I'm also going to go with Arizona. Pittsburgh Steelers at Dallas Cowboys. How many do you think the Steelers win by? Like 40. I, 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 I don't know. I don't even think the Steelers are like a true number one team in the league, but they're going to destroy the Cowboys here. I totally agree. I think they moved to 8-0 and for the first time in franchise history and beat up on the Cowboys easily. That defense versus what used to be the Cowboys offense, I think is going to be just absolutely insane. They could have four pick sixes in this game. I think it's going to be insane. New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in my opinion, the game of the week. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm going to, I'm going to go Tampa Bay, but I think it's a super close game. Um, but I could see both sides do it for this game. Is this a Tampa Bay primarily because they're at home, or do you think they're actually a better team right now? I I think it's because they're at home. Um, like, I mean, I bet the Saints at plus five because the Saints were minus four week one. I, I don't think they're, no, sorry. I know we haven't seen enough for a nine point swing this so far this year. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know who the better team is because I still think the Bucks kind of are 
eh. Like, I don't really know because they play up and down to their competition at random times, and the Saints just haven't been full force yet. So I, I don't know who's the better team, to be honest. Uh, yeah, these defenses, I think, are going to be the deciding factor, which is interesting to say when you have Alvin Kamara and, you know, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, potentially Tom Brady, Drew Brees, whatever, with these offenses. I think these defenses are really going to decide this game. And the defense for the Buccaneers has been very good. But for some reason, I just have a hunch that these Saints are going to do well. Now, I think the reality is if Michael Thomas doesn't play in this game, I think I'm going to swing back over to the to Buccaneers because I just don't think a full octane offense at home with Brady getting the quote-unquote revenge from the early game loss. Um, I expect the Buccaneers to win ultimately, but if they can get Michael Thomas back, I think it's a mismatch that maybe the Bucs can't handle. So right now I'm going to go to the Saints, but I can absolutely see myself flipping before game time on a Sunday to the Bucs if Michael Thomas doesn't play. Last but not least, yikes, the un-game of the week, New England Patriots, New York Jets. There has to be a winner technically, Lucas. I guess. Or they could just tie or something. I don't know. I'm picking the Patriots, but just bet the under. I don't even – it's bad when you don't even think that it's, an offense can push the ball downfield on the Jets' defense. That, that's kind of the vibe of this game. I'm going to go with the Jets. A, the New England Patriots uh, double tank scenario I think is very realistic. Good research on that. Secondly, the Jets are just due. The Jets are a very bad team, but they have been, like, playing decent football. The Patriots look bad. Like, Cam Newton looks bad, and I don't know why. Uh, he looked great to start the season. Their running backs are fine. Sonny Michelle being out is not a factor. He's bad anyway. So their other guys are good. Julian Edelman being out can't be that much of a difference. I mean, obviously he's a great player in a long time, but I don't, I don't get it. I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give the jets the benefit of the doubt for this particular week. If it blows up on my face, I'm not going to be surprised. Lucas last week, you were nine and, or excuse me, eight and six. Bobby was nine and five. Dweez was eight and six. I was seven and seven. You still lead the pack by four games at 58 and 30 after 88 total games since week three, when we started this Bobby and I right behind you, uh, minus four games at 54 and 34 and Dweez pulling up the rear at 50 and 38. My man, thanks for cutting it out. We had switched it up a little bit this week. We'll be back to normal next week with uh, you on Thursdays for the afternoon slate, but wish you the best man. Hope you had a, a great week and I hope uh, everybody can just kind of take a collective breath here. There's a lot obviously going on with the yeah. election, the trade deadline that didn't happen. Um, there's a lot going on in the world. So again, uh, I did it on Monday. I'll do it again. I just wish everybody, you know, compassion, strength, uh, sending out love to each other and, and just, uh, you know, take an extra breath when you're out in public and yeah, just, just realize that everybody kind of is collectively on edge right now. But Lucas, I wish you the best, man. I hope you have a great weekend and uh, enjoy week nine of fantasy football. Of course, you can find Lucas on Twitter. You can find the Candlestick Kids on Twitter as well. TZK underscore pod on Facebook at fantasy football underscore tck and you can find us on anywhere you're listening to your podcast give us a five-star review we appreciate it and leave us a comment there as well find all of our rankings and articles at tckpod.com we'll catch you tomorrow with bobby lamarco of the fantasy football x factor for the early game slate and then chris benavides of the commission ffp for friday's tck recap of week eight preview of week nine for lucas kaser i'm sky guasco and we are out of here Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E 
AV on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.